Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 36th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always by my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, do you think it's ironic that we're in for a huge snowstorm, but yet the world of Wraith is being affected by global warming at the moment? <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't really think about that. We got a bunch of ice bands. Everything's going to heat up a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. It is, I guess, ironic. Yeah, because we're, we're supposed to get like a foot of snow and it's supposed to be the worst blizzard in all year and, and stuff like that here in the Midwest. And uh, But LSS is over there in New Zealand just banning ice. Yeah. So It's summer down there, so. Oh, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense why, why, why we're on opposite ends of the spectrum then. <laughs> so... This is hot off the heels of the new ban and suspended announcement that just came out today. I think it's out been out for what, like two hours now or something like that. Long enough for <laughs> just long enough for me to read it. Be like, I want to talk about this. <laughs> Let's record tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were going to wait for whenever they posted it to obviously give our takes on it. And I think it would have been the hardest to record a podcast if they were just like, no changes. And we just would have been like, yeah, everything's fine. Whatever. We kind of expected no changes, but boy, were there more than no changes. Do you want to read the list of cards that uh, have now been shaken up in the classic constructed format? Yeah, Michael? So the following changes to class constructed are effective starting January 30th, 2023. So first they're not going to hit this last weekend of ProQuest, which is nice, but Belittle is banned. Winner's Whale is banned. Amulet of Ice is suspended until Icelander becomes Living Legend, and Hypothermia is suspended until Icelander becomes Living Legend. That's a lot. Yeah. Where do you want to start on that that list? So, I guess I I want to start with what I think they got right, <laughs> if that's not a weird way to put that. So, first, I do really appreciate that they gave us this announcement almost a full week early since. We're trying to get ready for the Indianapolis calling, getting these this drastic of a shakeup like five days before a tournament would have been not really enough time to figure out a new deck because I was going back and forth between the two ice heroes that I think are good, Old High Man Icelander, and I was pretty sure I was going to play one of them, and I am pretty sure I'm not going to play one of them now, and I have some time to figure out what I'm going to play. <laughs> so I think the timing of the announcement was good, giving us that extra five five extra days so we have 10 days to figure it out instead of five that's great and then yeah look at that lss was ahead of uh schedule for something you know <laughs> yeah that's awesome so, kudos uh the other thing i really do like the hypothermia ban i think that it does pretty bad things to the game where you can just like get your action point taken away with no really recourse i think there's not like anything you can do you're actually you're just like okay, I'm not going to have an action point anymore. And instant speed hypothermia. Well, I don't think the card was like insanely broken. And a lot of the time it wasn't very good to even arsenal it. And it led to some awkward spots. The times that it was a blowout and even in just specific matchups where it could blow out heroes where they didn't really have any counterplay to an instant speed hypothermia was really bad for the game. I feel like like dash is a deck that has a lot of tools to spend her resources. Well, she can like she plays well around like frostbites and stuff and it's a deck that should have a good matchup in icelander but if you have three copies of hypothermia that matchup was like 
at least reasonable for you because of single-handedly hypothermia being almost always a two for one or a three for one when you cast it. Yeah, and importantly, if they do even want to try to come in with a second attack after you cast hypothermia, they have to sacrifice one of their pieces of arcane barrier in Achilles Accelerator. In Achilles Accelerator, that's a hard one yeah. to say for some reason. Um, in order to do so, so that's obviously a huge sacrifice in that matchup. So, I personally am a big fan of hypothermia being banned. It also a lot of random decks just couldn't beat a hypothermia. Also, so I think that. Dash is like the one that comes to mind because it's like the most popular in the metagame. And yeah. a good portion of Briar's attacks gained uh, go again as well. And that was already a super favorable matchup for Icelander. Yeah, Viscerai too. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad. I'm glad Hypothermia is gone. I think like that is, if I had to make the ban and suspended announcement, that would be the card that I would put on this list. The other three, I don't that's think a, so. That's it? I, no. So, what what do you think? About hypothermia. Uh, I think suspending hypothermia makes sense until Iceland rotates out. It, it's not really a problem in decks like Oldheim or Icelexi because they have to spend basically their whole turn. I guess specifically Oldheim usually has to spend his whole turn setting up that card. And Icelexi, it's sac- she's give she's sacrificing some amount of efficiency to end her turn with an action point in order to deploy it. And it's just a lot different of a card when it's face up on the table and supposed to you're planning your turn around it and you kind of have to plan every turn around this potential blowout that's like lurking. Like even like a deck like Fi that uh, has just so much natural go again still had to respect the hypothermia by like not swinging Searing Ember Blade at the wrong time on combat chains and basically completely locked out of playing Kadachi's um in the matchup because if at any point in time you you know activated a kadachi and then a hypothermia happened that's just well you're not swinging that other kadachi buddy or anything else that turn so uh it just was a little too restrictive at instant speed so you're right i I don't mind it and once it can no longer just you know come out of nowhere and pop up i think uh it'll be you know a lot more fair of a card yeah I, i agree with that and what you said how it was like you had to play it every turn around the potential of hypothermia i think that was a big part of why it's problematic when the other players play it and or the other heroes play it and it's face up. You're like, okay, what is the best I can do with this turn since I only get or I can't give my cards go again? Right, and like there would be lots of times where like if I'm playing an Icelander, I just have to shrug my shoulders and be like, okay, if you got hypothermia, I guess I lose this game. That's <laughs> <laughs> just not a very <laughs> good place to be. Yeah, and I think the other card that's kind of similar that does a similar thing is Blizzard, but blizzard has a lot more counterplay whereas if you're just holding a blue you can just pay for it so like there are turns yeah that or or like you can just like put epots in your deck and they go to blizzard you you just sacrifice one of your epots and move on with your Mm -hmm. life so yeah for sure so since we're talking about icelander let's talk about amulet of ice i think amulet of ice was a very powerful card it both was the card that let icelander use four or five card hands and not waste cards basically amulet device into like an attack and to activate waiting moon was a pretty clean thing you could do with four cards and spend all of them and it also the fact that it would eventually trade for a card later in the game was really powerful too and it did these things but it didn't come without costs being a no block definitely 
does matter. And LSS kind of talked about the risk reward of putting ammo device into your deck, how like it should be a risk to have a, a zero block card in your deck. And they felt like it wasn't because every ice in your deck was playing three ammo device, but I don't know, I guess. I think that once you take hypothermia away, Icelander does have some... I think she has some bad matchups now, whereas before she didn't really have bad matchups. I think Dromai was a little bit tough. And, and Oldheim, but and, yeah, Oldheim, hypothermia didn't do anything against Oldheim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good point. But yeah, so I don't think Amulet Advice... It doesn't seem like it was necessary. And it also does hurt Lexi, which is a hero that has continuously been almost there on power level and gotten hit by these bands for Briar, these bands for Icelander. And she's just kind of getting beat up and she hasn't really done anything to warrant that. Yeah. And so I think they specifically said that Icelander even plays Amelie device into all these aggressive decks, but wasn't that like a play draw decision where on the draw you would side them out? Like, it, I certainly don't think it was a card like you just like absolutely never cut, right? Like there were still times where it was right to like trim on amulet devices. Yeah, I think I definitely cut them in into Phi on the draw some of the time. I'm not sure if that was correct. It was what I was doing for a while. I'm pretty sure in the finals of nationals, I boarded out my amulet device because um, I was going second. I Again, I'm not positive that that's correct, but it definitely like, there was a solid consideration for doing it. Yeah, and the difference between you know playing an amulet device, the zero cost item with Go again, and setting up an insidious chill, for, especially for a deck like Ice Lexi, is just so monumentally different. Like Icelander can still pretty happily you know play some insidious chills. Uh, it doesn't cost her action points. She gets to play it at instant speed on her opponent's turn. It costs three, but Icelander's playing a million blues anyways still to this day. And so she's still going to have ways to strip her opponent's hand, just not as many. Well, I guess, I guess in my mind though, like in the deck like Icelander, you just go, okay, I don't have amulet advice. Uh, I just swap in three winner's bite and it's not the exact same thing because you can't just like sit on them, but it seems like just like a pretty simple, you know, swap for those two cards. And I don't know how meaningful it will be in the long run, especially with old time getting nuked, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. I, I do think it does reasonably hurt Icelander to not have it, but I don't know. It just feels weird to me when Icelander has been good. You suspend the card that makes some of her matchups good and probably like knocks her down a couple of pegs to where she's a hero that has like some pretty bad matchups. I think dash, like no, you don't have, if you, once you, un, or once you suspend hypothermia, her dash matchup looks bad. And yeah. I guess I, I don't, I think Oldheim was already able to fatigue Icelander. We all kind of talk about this a little bit where like the new, the new Imperial Warhorn tech where they were playing Imperial Warhorn and they could kill your frost techs and one of your items as well was very, very powerful. And I think kind of, I don't want to say single-handedly shifted the matchup to being like very Oldheim favored, but I think like it was a close matchup before. And then once Warhorn was found, then I think it was like really solidly an old time saver. So it just seems weird to hit this amulet that's like cited as well, it made Icelander too good into the longer decks when she's she wasn't even good into them basically after the war. That's fair. After War Hunter. And I guess the line of Amulet of Ice into acting Coronet Peak is a lot better than 
Winter's Bite. Your opponent pitches a blue. Activate Coronet Peak doesn't really do anything anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll have to see how it shakes out. And uh, as far as like what a good swap is for Hypothermia in the deck, so if you just swap in Winter's Bite for the Amulet's Ice, I don't really know what you replace Hypothermia with, though. I think you're just kind of out of good ice cards. Like maybe you just have to play like Blue Winter's Grasp again. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess if you're trying to take the current ice center list and kind of adjust for losing these cards, I think Winter's Bite is a pretty good one. I think instead of playing Hypothermia, I would probably just, or instead of trying to find a replacement for Hypothermia, I'd probably just try to find another powerful sideboard card. Like maybe you play Command and Conquer because it's good against Drill by and Lexi or something like that. Or maybe you play in case, just like a sideboard card that's effective in some spots and you're probably not going to fix your dash matchup, but maybe you can make some of your other matchups better. That's fair. Do you want to stick on the ice or do you want to take a break from ice? Because I think we'll have the most to say about Oldheim uh, in the long run. But do you want to talk about Belittle Minnowism? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ha- I, yeah. Let's go to Belittle Minnowism or just Belittle. You can still play Minnowism. Sure. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> if that's something you wanted to do, you could still put Minnowism in your deck. So I guess I'll start on this one because I was never even a believer in Belittle Minnowism to begin with. So like this feels just weird to me and we even see it saying in like the chat in the discord where it, in a deck like dromai where you were testing little minnowism but you just didn't have anything to spend the resources on when you've got a blue and that was kind of like the grand unifying theory i felt like we were coming up with where in order to play little minnowism you had to be an aggressive deck well, you got to be an aggressive deck that is also capable of using the, the resources you get off of the blue, because if you're just grabbing the, playing the belittle, getting a minnowism, but it's not actually like functionally changing anything about how your turn would play, it's it's just this weird three power, one cost, three power, go again attack that's not really doing anything for you. And we saw it be good in the decks that did have a lot of things to do with their resources, like Chain. Chain always wanted to play a million cards per turn, so having an effect like Belittle Minnowism, you know, to go get that extra blue in order to play one of your cards from Banish really helped out a deck like Chain. We saw the Briar deck from Lil win uh, that Pro Tour, and that deck was built around, you know, playing Channel Mount Heroic, a lot of these big, beefy Earth cards. You were able to sink those resources into a Sonata Arcanics, you know, you just have... Or like Grasp of the Arc Knight. There were just lots of like resource sinks in that deck. And then ultimately we saw it in Phi, like most recently. And Phi was just able to activate uh, Searing Emerald Blade most commonly. Or Kadachi's uh, at first, I believe, was like the first tech. And then it moved to Searing Emerald Blade. As well as activate Phi's hero ability if you just were, you know, a little short on Draconic Chain Links. So there were ways to spend those resources in all those decks. But it wasn't like... You know, the, the Dromai deck you were testing, that if you wanted to be an aggressive deck, was a very good Belittle deck. It's not like Bolton or Lexi or like decks like, uh, I, I guess, like, it, it's not like it was just like the default way to even build a lot of these decks because even after Matt Falks, you know, won that Pro Tour with Belittle Minnowism Briar, it just kind of fell off a cliff after that. Like, it wasn't a problem in the metagame after that. And Briar decks kind of just moved on to being chonkier again. And I think it came with real deck building, you know, constraints in having to play like these three powered attacks. And then, like I was saying, this whole point of the argument. So in addition to having ways to effectively use those resources and 
I just don't think it warranted a ban at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I want to add on to that, that I feel like belittle really has kind of two cards that it interacts that we found that it interacts really positively. One is art of war because you can pitch a blue player belittle fuse a blue attack or not, not fuse, but reveal to belittle a blue attack and then go get a blue minimalism. And then you cast the art of war to get rid of this extra blue attack that you're going to have because there aren't that many red reveals for belittle. Most of the cards you're revealing for belittle are blue. So having art of war to basically get rid of that blue. And then now you're able art of war costs a resource. And now you're able to spend the resources because you got rid of, you got rid of the extra resources that you would have had from having too many blues because you art of war one of them away. So, and then art of war makes the one for three very impactful because it's getting, or it's getting plus one from the art of war. So like it had a lot of value with art of war. And then the other thing is you're talking about kind of Briar and chain and even viscerae, how they all use belittle at points. And a big part of that was that in these rune blade decks, you could play belittle and you'd go get red minnowism and then you play red minnowism and then you'd play a, another attack. And then your Rosetta thorn was turned on because your belittle got you your non-attack action. So belittle was like a non-attack action. That was also fine. It's, it wasn't very good when you were like non-attack flooded, but like it was still an attack. So it had a lot of utility there. And then it just like was above rate while enabling your Rosetta thorn, which is pretty crazy. Sure, but I guess you said Viscerai in that list. I completely forgot the little Minoism Viscerai was a deck. Uh, I still I still contend like if you put the little Minoism in your Viscerai deck, you're just making that deck worse. Like it's not even a benefit. Well, there. Now you're making so, it an illegal deck. Yeah, I guess now you're just making actually unplayable instead of before it was just figuratively <laughs> unplayable. So yeah i i just ultimately maybe there's like some other things that you know i guess like if we think about it from like a future design perspective though i guess it does kind of put a ceiling on like what they can give aggressive decks as far as like high cost cards because if the aggressive decks can just go play little minnowism and still cast like high cost cards or have all these additional resource sinks that will fundamentally give them just like an unfair advantage in the long run, I guess in like future design space. So I guess I, I could see that being an issue potentially down the line, but as it stood in the metagame, I just don't think it really needed it at this point in time, especially given the dominance of who we were seeing bully every deck in the format at this point in time in Oldheim. But do you want to move on to talking about Oldheim for about, you know, four hours, four or five hours? I got I got one more thing about Belittle before we move on to Oldheim. I Okay, go for it. I really think it kind of died for Art of War's sins. Like the two best Belittle decks were Phi and Chain. And these decks both like they're so good with Art of War. Art of War is so good in those decks. And like Belittle being specifically synergistic with Art of War, giving you the extra resources to play big Art of War turns. I think this is more a problem with Art of War than Belittle and belittle is kind of dying for art of war when art of war i think is the problem but that's a majestic yeah, well, we can't ban that they'll ban art of war eventually no, they, can, they can ban majestics they said they won't ban legendaries in the thing yeah. which i kind of like yeah uh just from like a player perspective but yeah I, I i would like they ban majestics pretty regularly and it maybe there's just less oversight on majestics because they're like they just really want to tune and make sure legendaries are you know, powerful, but not too powerful. And they've really done a good job of like making sure that they're towing that line, if, especially if like they're taking the stance of, 
not ever wanting to ban them. I think the only one that came close was Stalagmite. But really, it turns out the problem wasn't Stalagmite. It was Winter's Whale the whole time. It was just we we were just blind to it, but LSS was able to perfectly see through see through the blizzard in order to determine what the root cause of the issue of stalagmite was. Aha. Uh-huh. So Winter's Whale is banned. Winter's Whale <laughs> is the reason that Oldheim is a playable hero outside of maybe maybe you could play super hard fatigue without Winter's Whale, but that's like not really. Like, That's not I don't a know how, strategy how playable that deck is. And regardless of how playable it is, it's not something that you want to encourage if it is. But anyway, Winter, Winter's Whale was kind of like what let Oldheim even disrupt the aggressive decks. Because like you can't just have a big red disruptive attack every turn. That's just like not realistic. And Winter's Whale, the threat of a Frostbite was very powerful. And it being a zero for four or a one card four with an on hit was very powerful, similar to like Snatch or many of the commonly played one card fours that have it on hit in classic constructed. So where does Will let Oldheim deck Oldheims be very consistent? Their turns had a pretty high floor when they had this weapon. And on top of that, they did have the two legendary shields that were both quite good and both worked well with Winner's Will being a one-handed weapon. But if you ban Winner's Whale, what what does an Oldheim deck look like without Winner's Whale? Uh, I think personally, I would go back to like, uh, I think it was for nationals before we came up with Bullander. I was working on an Anathos Oldheim, and that was specifically tech for the mirror. And I think now you can try picking that up again, play cards like Pulverize and uh, Earthlore Bounty. It, you could still do like Crown of Seeds ramparts and like earth react if you're costing if you're also having like some like non uh blue earth cards in your deck now if you're playing like a bigger old time deck but i don't think ice based old time decks should really exist anymore because now your one-handed weapon that you're gonna play i believe the only one left is titan's fist right i don't think there's another one-handed guardian weapon i believe that's true and ice cards don't cost three that was what I was running into when I was building Anathos. There, there's, I know there's Insidious Chill, and I think that was it. I think Insidious Chill is the only ice card that costs three or more. And if that means you're trying to build like the best aspects of old time, which is the ice react on top of like the ice fuse cards, you know, like endless winter. I just don't see how that's viable if you're, you know. Now you're swinging for three a turn, most turns with your. Uh, <laughs> now you're you're not even losing the frostbite. You're also losing a whole point of damage. That's that's a lot to give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I I think I agree that just like I don't know how you would build an ice based old hive now. Like maybe you play three or six ice cards, and then you have the threat of ice reacting all the time. But most of the time, you're not actually going to ice react. But it seems like really hard to get more ice cards in your deck than that yeah we've been saying for a while bravo's been creeping up on power level to uh old time and uh they did it the mad lads at lss finally did it bravo now probably solidly above old time actually in terms of like viability like what a world we live in i think so and i think there are arguments for playing like anathos old time over playing bravo but those arguments are probably not as strong as crippling crush and showtime 
Like Showtime's yeah. also like one of the best turn one plays in like the yeah. game now, right? Still. Yeah, that's true. Showtime into Heat Pulverize, very good. <laughs> so I think we might see some old high. We might see like these people trying to play these hardcore fatigue old times. We might see some aggressive old times that probably are just a little bit worse than Bravo or maybe more than a little bit worse than Bravo. Winners will did so much heavy lifting in terms of like making Oldheim a playable hero. And you can't really look at the current builds of Oldheim and just replace winners well with Titan's Fist and have a functional deck because of what you're saying about the ice cards. Swing Titan's Fist for three with no on hit is atrocious. Atrocious. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good just, way to put it. Sending a card at an action bad. point for three damage. I think this kind of was pretty i think this band might be a little out of line i guess i don't know how to say that nicely i think like if you don't want old time to be playable you kind of accomplish that but and old time has been good for a while and he has been this is his third band i think in classic constructed because he lost awakening he lost pulse of ice and loft and now he's a zinc winner's whale technically autumn's touch if you want to count that uh, fourth fourth band or but i guess autumn's touch wasn't really at old time but it did yeah. affect him you couldn't yeah autumn's touchable yeah so I don't know. I think this is the the band that I am like the most frustrated with. And I think like they could have done something to old time, like they've done to Starvo where they're like, let's take away his winner's grasp or something. And that would be, that would be a pretty big nerve. You're taking away the blue ice block three from the deck. And that would get old time closer to being in line and banning winners. Well, it, it, I think like it also feels kind of unprecedented, which is, why it's really weird like rosetta thorn dominated the metagame for a long time they didn't touch it and like chain and briar both essentially got to living legend through rosetta thorn <laughs> and i guess starvo got to living legend with winners well and starvo was more dominant than old time was and they didn't touch winners well then so i don't know it just yeah. feels really weird to me i think if we're looking at it from they don't want to ban legendary's perspective winners whale died for stalagmite sins uh because I think on this podcast, oh, social media, uh, the Discord server, anywhere, I've been saying just ban Stalagmite. Like, I think that card is like the real issue. The fact that you get two, just two frostbites out of nowhere on thin air that your opponent always has to figure out like their lines around it, like every turn while it's up, hugely oppressive. Like you get you get the three life and like those like from the day that card was spoiled. I was like, this card's busted. And you showed us why it was busted against like when you were just beating up prisms because they would be like, oh, I have 20 soul spectral shields. I'll pitch my yellow. And you just block us uh, with stalagmite and they have a frostbite and they can't break the frostbite. And then the spectral shields sit there doing nothing. And then you just get to like go back to your turn because they just couldn't attack you with the spectral shields and break all their spectral shields. And that came up against like all the aggressive decks where all the aggressive decks were always like, oh, I'm one resource short of now swinging my Rosetta Thorn. So now it's blocking the two damage that it blocked the first time, plus this additional four future damage, and potentially even more if like you were getting some other bonus from swinging that Rosetta Thorn, like I guess like breaking a rune chant I was thinking of, but I guess you you get to keep the rune chance most of the time anyways. Um, so just like the virtual damage that stalagmite like the value you get out of that shield is like ridiculous and i thought 
banning Winter's Whale would be too would be too hard because like as we're discussing, I don't know how Oldheim functions now without Winter's Whale. Like it was his it was his signature weapon. It was his signature weapon. Like now when he's living legends, you just do they change it to Titan's Fist? Is does Titan's Fist lo- rotate out with freaking Oldheim now? Like that's gonna matter. Uh I I I think it just like actively takes this hero that was turn one like tier one and puts him like into like tier three category in my opinion like i'm just so uninterested in anything this hero has going on anymore especially considering i think a lot of people are like fatigue old time and i've said on like even at the beginning at this podcast fatigue is not a viable strategy in 2023 people and decks have so many ways of just going over the top and presenting more than your 12 stupid block or 14 block i guess on a turn cycle if you're using rampart and crown of seeds like and like you'll eventually draw some two blocks you'll like decks just have ways to go over this and i think you'll be able to fatigue like players who don't know how to play around it but I think once people like if if it ever became a dominant strategy or like a almost a tier one deck, I think there are just a host of decks that are just like, oh, well, here's thirty damage in a row over like two turns. You're you're dead. You can't you can't stop all this damage. It's just not a viable strategy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think like going in with a deck that's like only purpose is to fatigue, that's like that that deck's just gonna be bad. It's gonna have decks that it cannot beat and even decks that it should have a reasonable matchup into, the best pilots are going to be able to beat it most of the time. So especially if they have considered it somewhat when deck building. So like fatigue can do well when nobody's ready for it. People aren't prepared to play against it when they're all boarding in six defense reactions against old time because all the old times are trying to play on hits into them. Then maybe they could get fatigued because when you draw the six defense reactions, it's a lot harder to, to push through fatigue. But fatigue, I don't think, could ever be tier one in the, well, I shouldn't say could ever, but like f- fatigue with the current tools that exist, just hard fatiguing from the get go, not attacking, not playing an interesting game of flesh and blood. That's not really a thing that'll ever be like destroying the metagame or dominating the metagame. So yeah. And then I think just <laughs> still talking about winners. Well, I think the most, the, I think they have never done something like this where they ban a hero's identity. Like again, when they when they needed to nerf Starbo, they banned Autumn's Touch. When they needed to errata Briar, they didn't touch her weapon. When Chain was dominating the format with Rosetta Thorn because Rosetta Thorn came out, they didn't touch. They, they never touched Rosetta Thorn. They never touched Luminaris. When Starbo was dominating, they didn't touch Winner's Whale. And I think all of those heroes would have been in a better spot. With their, losing their weapon than Oldheim is without his, because there just really isn't really there isn't really anything that does something similar to that. Titan's Fist, we talked about how much worse it is, and Anathos means, or if you play Anathos or Sledge, which are the other two options, and I think you could build an Oldheim deck around that. You're essentially banning the two shields anyway because you don't have a one-handed weapon to use with them. So yeah, I like that. There's some cost if like their design philosophy. I think it's safer to like push the defensive options. If you want the shields to be very good and the cost of playing those shields is like your weapon is like subpar or like not as like as powerful as the shields because the guardian identity anyway is supposed to be more defensive. Fine with it. That's good. Just it has to be better than Titan's fist. 
Like, even if Titan's Fist was just three for four, no drawback. I think, like, I think this would still be a much different conversation. But the fact that Titan's Fist has, like, a drawback for a one-handed weapon on Guardian is kind of ridiculous, like, compared to every single other hero's, like, weapons and, like, their identities at this point in time in the game. I would almost rather they just errata it so you could play two shields. Like, just give me two stalagmites at this point. I'll just hard <laughs> fatigue, d- double, dual wield, you know, two shields. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I would rather that over Titan's Fist if I'm playing an ice, you know, old Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be kind of sick, too, though, because then you could double block with stalagmites and give them two frostbites out of uh-huh. nowhere. Well, then how do you win the game? <laughs> guess. What? I don't know. <laughs> You but have two shields, two Darold Heim has two shields, neither of you could ever kill anybody. You played that defense reaction, they just gave us the tools, the shield bash card, right? What is it? I don't know, I don't even know. It's like a defense reaction is. where like you get a bunch of, like if you have a one-handed shield blocking, you deal a point of damage to them. It came out in Dynasty. Okay. You just play those. You play ping 40 them. of them. Ping, ping, ping. <laughs> So I guess I was like, maybe we'll get a new weapon for old time in the next supplemental set. And then I realized that's three sets. Like six away. months away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the set after this one, we'll have a new guardian, but it's, it's, it's crazy, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do. I do think this is like a step too far in the direction. Like, like at this point, why not, uh, instead of touching any of, uh, like if you just want to hear it to be like actually unplayable, cause they don't have a weapon, just, you could have just banned waning moon. You could have just been, like out of Icelander. Like, she can't push arcane damage anymore. Like I don't know how that hero wins anymore if she doesn't have waning moon. Like, and as you were saying, like banning Luminaris out of Prism. I don't know how Prism ever would have won a game ever again. Like if you ban Luminaris, like you just I think Chain's the only hero that I could think of, and probably still Starvo. Those two heroes are just like, but like those two heroes have just like a fundamentally like flawed like over the top hero ability that like. You could give them a ham sandwich for their weapon, and they're still probably going to be just fine. Like you love ham sandwiches, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> especially chain. Why? 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 Why chain? I just can't believe that hero made it out. People think like people still look back at Starbo as like the biggest design mistake LSS ever made. I think it's chain. I still to this day think it's chain. Like. So decks have to work so hard to draw cards in this deck. Like look at Tome of Findall. Tome of Harvest, Tome of Aetherwind. Like, like, look at these tomes and see how it's, it's like so hard to accrue like additional cards of value in Flesh and Blood. And Chain just like, yeah, nah, it's fine. I'll get like six cards for free on this turn. No, no big deal. And it's like, excuse me, what? Oh, and you know, I also get boots that let me play Tome of Findall at instant speed, so I can just draw more cards. And I have uh, Belittle Minnowism, so I can just also tutor free resources from my deck as well. Uh, so this is all fair, though. You know, uh, Don't worry about it. I'll take a very long time to Living Legend. So you said you don't think Old Time's going to be playable or very good at all. I think I'm in a pretty similar spot. I think you can play aggressive Old Time decks, or you can play hardcore Fatigue Old Time with Titan's Fist and the Shield still, but... Old Heim's no longer like this dynamic hero that can do a lot of different things on the back of his signature weapon. Now he's kind of like a lost old man with, he lost his, he lost his cane, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I think Old Heim's metagame share will drop dramatically. And honestly, he's probably in a similar tier to like 
Arachne now, I would say. I think Arachne is better. Okay. Fair. I, I would, I wouldn't fight with that. I, I would put like, I, I don't think. I would I almost put him in Azalea t- tier at this moment. You, you put Arachne above Azalea? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I, I put those three here. I think I put the three of those heroes in the same tier. Just like, that's fine. Probably shouldn't yeah. be playing them. Yeah. Yeah. Just if in, you're like, trying to win at least dubious tier D tier. Like they're all, they, they can all hang out there. That's fine. I guess they're like, you can put them in, in any order you want in, in D tier, but like, sure. They're, that's where they live. That's where they live. So with Levia too. And we have ice and hypothermia are gone. Where do you think Icelander's at now? I think she's still playable. I think Icelander, and I think especially if people like start trimming a lot of AB, like disrespecting like wizards again, not only like does like Icelander come out of the woodwork, Kano comes out of the woodwork too, you know, to start preying on decks. So I think people still have to like respect wizards, still pack their AB and still have like a plan into Icelander. I think she still has a lot of very good disruptive tools. Uh, and like, obviously, like Aether Ice Vein, still a legal card, still a messed up card, still a very good card. Like, and you're still going to be able to trigger Insidious Chill off of your Aether Ice Vein. And as far as like the combo elements of the game, like, I think setting up like the Frost Hex Ice Eternal thing will be a lot harder since you don't have like as many sources to strip like your opponent's cards to really push through that damage and make those frost bites like not be poppable at the end of the game. And like Insidious Chill also has like this awkward dynamic where like you could choose when you wanted to pop in the device. You can't choose when like to not trigger your you can't legally choose to not trigger your insidious chill. Uh as soon as you ice fuse, that one of those counters are supposed to come off and so that just kind of puts you in an awkward like situation where like, well, I really want to like fuse this blue brain freeze, but I also want to, but it's going to use my last insidious chill counter. So now two turns later, when you have your red aether ice vein, you're not stripping a card out of them before your aether ice vein. And now they can AB like, it just leads to some awkward play patterns, I guess, where amulet of ice was just more flexible in its timing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Icelander not in the Arachne Azalea tier. Yeah, I think she's like a B tier hero. I think I think I I still wouldn't be surprised to like to see like Azalea pop up and like I guess the ProQuest season continued like uh, win a ProQuest. I think like I wouldn't be surprised to see her like top eight some battle hardens and like callings and stuff like that. Maybe even win. Um, it's just gonna you know finding her right balance again and making sure that like the deck still functions cohesively. So yeah, I I think. I'm in a similar spot. I think she's still have a solid matchup into the rune blades. I think she's still solid into Fi. I think that she's much worse into Dash. She's much worse into Jeromai. And she's much worse against anything that she wanted to combo against because losing Amulet hurts the combo so much. So I, I would say that in the right metagame, if the rune blades are running around taking over again, they'll, well, they'll get, Briar will get Living Legend and then that'll stop. But if you predict the a rune blade metagame, I said it will still be a good choice. And I still think she has a solid five matchup. You just really need to dodge dash and draw my. Yeah. So. And I guess like that could be this, that could even be the calling like Indianapolis meta because everybody's like, Oh, old time's gone. Icelander's gone. Time to pick up Briar again. And I think everybody's just like hyped on Briar and Fi again. And to that point, I guess if everybody's hyped up on Brian, Bri, Fi and Briar, uh, 
then Droma is not going to like that feel at all. So that's going to push her stock way down. I guess Dash could still pop up and have like a reasonable game into like boost Dash is still also like the third aggressive deck. So you just got to dodge the dashes. But yeah, I still think like the metagame overall is still like pretty amicable to Icelander, at least in the short term. Yeah, I don't think I would be surprised to see an Icelander at the top eight of Indianapolis. I think like she did get hit pretty hard and she does need to dodge the matchups now more than before where she had a pretty good matchup spread just all around. And I think like still playable. I'm not happy about the amulet of ice ban, but I think that she's not in a horrible spot. Yeah. And amulet of ice, like, I guess hopping back to that card, I think that was a really like skill intensive card in like the mirror where like if you're not hiding it behind a bunch of energy potions sneaking <laughs> on your opponent, um, like figuring out the right timing in which to crack them since they were like there was a decision to make could be really tricky. And like, you could get into like end game situations where like since you have priority first on your turn, you could just play an ice fuse card, and then that would allow and then trigger your insidious chills. And then before your opponent like could like crack storm striders or something like that, and in response, if your opponent goes like well crack storm striders, you could amulet of ice in response to them cracking storm striders and strip their hand to make sure that they couldn't come back at you. And now if you have that same interaction where it's just like oh. Ice Fuse, Trigger My Insidious Shields, your party could just freely crack their Storm Striders. And unless you have like another Ice Fuse card and more counters on your Insidious Shield to trigger, they're just going to be able to go over the top of you in that situation. So like, I think it makes the mirror like a bit more snowball-y, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does. So are you going to be playing Vi or Briar in Indianapolis, do you think? <laughs> so the last one, let's talk about Vi. So... Belittle is banned. That hits Phi. I think Phi is the only deck that's like really playing Belittle right now. You could play it in some Briar list. It wasn't the most popular way to play Briar, but it was definitely a thing you could do. And but I think Phi's stock is gonna go down quite a bit too, with Belittle being gone. That's surprising. I I think I pretty strongly disagree with that sentiment. Really? I think Phi has access to some pretty good blues anyways, and a card like um Tiger Stripe Shuko already like mitigates so much of the downside of playing like these blues because you're just able to still accrue the additional point of damage by, you know, playing one of these draconic blues into your uh Phoenix Flame for the turn. Whereas like before, sadly, you weren't triggering Tiger Stripe Shuko all the time because you were coming in with this three powered attack and tutoring three resources out of your turn, coming in with like a one for four, zero for four, and then your sword, and then a Phoenix Flame. And it's like, oh, I didn't have a powerful attack or a, a second little attack. I didn't get Tiger Stripe Shuko value this turn, but now it'll be easier to get Tiger Stripe Shuko turned on, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I do just think that the power level of Belittle was quite high in the fight deck, especially in combination with Art of War. The turns that you went Belittle into Art of War were responsible for Fi's biggest turns, the highest damage output turns. Um, and Losing that interaction means that I'm not sure if Fi's doing things better than the aggro decks enough to warrant still playing him over Briar and Dash. I guess he is pretty consistent. He does pretty consistent draws. Like you said, the power of blues are higher in his deck than a lot of the blues in like Briar or even Dash when you play them. So that is something for him. And he still can have a lot of his stock, not stock turns, like big turns where he plays a zero for three with go again into sword into Phoenix Slam into 
lava burst it's like a three card 13 or something so yeah and i think he'll be a less consistent deck that's for sure like being able to tutor blues to make sure that you are always having like really consistent turns it was definitely nice but in its place then i think you can't i'm trying to think like what weapon you turn to maybe kadachi's now instead um because i think you want to play i I think a lot of like the one cost attacks i think is going to be awkward fitting those in now so like the um soaring strikes and the what's the other one mounting anger yeah i think those cards kind of have to be looked at really dubiously now and you kind of have to go to like really hard on zero cost go against so i think like cards like ravenous rabble potentially could even like find a home in the deck again um because like you really don't want to be pitching um a lot of cards but i guess to counterpoint my own point there like you still have uh flame call awakening to go tutor up a phoenix flame so pitching a red there and then like pitching the phoenix flame you tutor up to get two resources so like Vi still has a pretty consistent way to like generate some free resources you know out of the deck it's just not as many right yeah yeah that's fair Are you, and you talk about pitching the flame for two with furnace right yeah 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 you pitch a red or you play like your rising resentment or whatever your opponent blocks it because they don't want to make your uh, flame call awakening free. You play your flame call awakening, pitching whatever red. You wait your phoenix flame. You pitch your phoenix flame to activate your flame scale furnace. Uh, swing for two with sword. You now have three draconic chain links. You get your phoenix flame. Come in for phoenix flame for one. They don't block it. You sacrifice your mask of the bouncing links and you slam your uh, lava burst. Boom, lava burst. Salt Look at that. Who even needs belittlementism? <laughs> yeah I, I i think the the power level of the deck goes down a reasonable amount it's will still likely be one of the better aggressive decks i don't know if it's as good as briar and dash now it might still be i was never a big aggro player so i don't know it i think the fact that the argument was close when icelander was around and very good and Phi had this between Phi and briar makes me pretty worried that Phi getting hit will and Phi getting hit and Icelander getting hit is a pretty big win for Briar, basically. Yeah. If Hypothermia wasn't a necessary card for Briar, I guess like it was fine in the matchup, but it wasn't like the windmill slam dunk that it was in like a lot of other matchups. I think Icelander is like particularly well suited still against two out of the three big algorithms then, because if Phi can't tutor up these resources with a little minimalism anymore, like a random frostbite from Icelander's arsenal could like completely ruin his day and uh briar is able to like better like uh play around that just because she naturally plays a lot more blues because of channel mount heroic and stuff like that but her still just being so vulnerable to hand rip and her just needing those five card hands in order to be at like her peak peak levels i guess like icelander stock doesn't go down as much as i thought it might otherwise i guess like you just kind of have to figure out a good game plan into dash but that's probably doable and draw play Dromai's not gonna I don't consider Dromai a playable hero while aggressive decks are a thing. Like prove to me that Dromai can be like Fi and Briar. Because you know, I expect them to be 30 to 40% of the metagame now. And then we can talk about Dromai. But until then, I can I put her in like C tier, almost C minus tier. Jeez. I don't think she can be Fi because of how mask momentum is so good against her. Just like I don't think she can be Briar either. I I think it wouldn't surprise me if Briar's favored, but I don't think it's like it's not nearly as polarized as the Fi matchup. 
Anything else you want to touch on with this band announcement? Okay, it's the end of the episode. Nobody's listening anyways anymore. Bolton's the best deck. It's just the best deck in the format. I can't I can't not say it. I need to scream it from my rooftop right now. I'm going to play Bolton in Indianapolis, and I'm going to win the calling with Bolton because nothing holds him back anymore. He's free. He's free to be the king of Classic Constructed in LSS. Don't listen to this part either. Bloodsheet Skeletta is basically the same thing as Courage of Blade Hold, and you left Courage of Blade Hold. You missed. You missed one of the most broken cards, and I'm going to take full advantage of it, and I'm just going to go and win the calling, and I'm just going to count. I'm going to make a video afterwards, and I'm just going to lie in a pile of Boltons, and I'm going to count my money. One dollar <laughs> bill at a time. $10,000. I'm going to count it out on a pile of Boltons after I win the calling. So I look forward to that video. I, I'm excited to see it. <laughs> Are you leaving that in? Probably. Okay. Well, Bolton's the best. You heard it here first. Maybe I'll play Bolton too. Who knows? I'm, I'd be happy to have a Bolton v. Bolton mirror with you in the finals. I think I can, I think I'm better. I'm a more seasoned Bolton aficionado than you. So I think I might have a slight edge in like navigating that. But, you know, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I didn't even realize you'd give your E-Strike go again if you didn't charge. You just plus two with the E-Strike and you can banish a soul. Just Yeah. You're one of the millions of people who don't know how heroes, uh, how Bolton's <laughs> hero ability works out there. It was a blow. So I played Bolton in the ProQuest last week, and like it was a blowout. Every time I sat down for my round one or, or, for an opponent, I think every single person was like, "Yeah, my little brother loves Bolton. He plays Bolton all the time. I played Bolton all the, every <laughs> single match. I like, every single person said that to me all weekend, and they all knew how Bolton worked. And I was very sad. So I had no free wins. I had no free wins with people not knowing how he worked. I still made top eight. Bolton's broken. Broken. Top eight of ProQuest. Broken. He has no bad matchups anymore. He has a single bad matchup. Icelander doesn't... I don't even think it's that bad anymore. I think it's fine. You don't have instant speed hypothermia. That was like the that was like the setup that like... Remember earlier back in the episode, I was like, sometimes you just have to shrug your shoulders and say like, I guess I lose the game on the spot to hypothermia. Bolton was that deck. <laughs> uh, Bolton and several other decks were that deck. But especially Bolton. Um... Because like he's so revolved around like like his payoff turns and like you just like play via the vanguard and people and you're just like oh here's a hypothermia and you're like oh guess I'm dead guess I'm dead here's my luminous engine oh here's a hypothermia guess I'm dead so good game do you want to go get lunch or something but that doesn't exist anymore now you can give me Don't a frostbite it's fine hypothermias. it's fine I can just crack an energy potion and move on with my life it's great it's great I'm so excited. <laughs> And all these people are like, yeah, but I'm going to come in with Briar and fine, deal a bunch of damage. Okay, cool. I'm going to gain like, I'm going to, I'm going to deal 30 damage to you. I'm going to gain like 12 life. And I'm just going to present lethal to you for the rest of the game. Every turn with my E-strikes. And, you're gonna, and I'm going to win. I'm going to win the call. Like, it's going to be great. I think I might be one of the people that comes in for, for so much, quote, so much damage with my aggro deck. Good luck to you, buddy. We'll Godspeed. see. Maybe I will still play Ice later. I think it's, I'm, I'm kind of, Talking through this, I'm you kind of talked me up on her a little bit. I might run it. I might run Icelander back. Okay, Icelander B Bolton final calling of Indianapolis. You hear you heard it here for first folks. <laughs> the Manor Cast finals. Let's do it. <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we officially end the episode? Then I, I don't think so. Okay. Well, the next time you're losing to me in Indianapolis, as I'm winning on Bolton, always remember, mind your manners. Thanks for watching.